listening to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Our guest on this episode is Russell Olson, CEO of South Dakota's Heartland Energy. Along with his role at Heartland Energy, Russell also serves on APPA's Board of Directors. Russell, thanks for joining us today. It's absolutely a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So, Russell, um, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with Heartland Energy, but for those who may not be familiar with the organization, could you uh, give a description? Sure. Yeah, Heartland Energy is a wholesale power supplier that's based in Madison, South Dakota. Uh, We are a, uh, I guess you could put it in air quotes, a consumer's power district, uh, similar in format to a joint action agency, yet different. Uh, We provide power to 29 public power communities in South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. And we also have contracts with six different state institutions here in South Dakota. And we have a unit contingent contract with NYMECA in Iowa. Uh, We provide supplemental, partial, or full requirements for energy, depending on the needs of each of our customers. Our resources include a baseload unit in Nebraska, uh, Wayland Energy Center 2, which we get 80 megawatts of power from. We also purchased the full output of the Wessington Springs Wind Energy Center, which has 51 megawatts of wind, and that's located in Wessington Springs, South Dakota. Uh, We also have contracts uh, with our customers owning diesel generation plants for capacity and peaking resources, and we're governed by a 11-member elected board of directors, and we do all that with only 12 employees. Terrific. One of the things that we uh, that we we cover Heartland Energy um, pretty regularly in our newsletter, and one of the things that they actually wrote about for the newsletter was um, the news this summer that... um, the, the organization had changed its name and logo from Heartland Consumers Power District to Heartland Energy. So I wanted to know if you could give our listeners some insights in terms of why the organization made these moves. And could you describe the steps it took for this rebranding effort? Absolutely. You know, when you think about Heartland Consumers Power District, if you're the poor uh, person that has to answer the phone and say that 60, 70 times a day, there should have been enough of a reason right there to uh, change the name. But, you know, it's something that we've been thinking about for a really long time. We felt that our name was too bulky and it didn't really say who we were as a company. Uh, Most people don't know what a consumer's power district is. And as staff, we generally referred to Heartland as just that, Heartland. And so it was time for a new logo. Our our logo was old and kind of out of place. It had been here longer than 99% of the people with the company, uh, but for a couple, we needed a more modern look and feel. Our colors were also outdated and and combine all that with the fact that it was time to update the website. It just made created the perfect storm for change. And so we looked at all those factors and we said, you know, now's the time. Uh, we selected uh, Lawrence and Schiller, which is an advertising and marketing agency based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they guided us through the rebrand process. And it really uh, was a uh, long, but um, they certainly made it more uh, easy than than I had anticipated as well. It, you know, they met with staff and said, you know, what are you guys looking for out of a rebrand and a new logo and things like that? And then they went out and they actually met with our customers and said, help us define what is Heartland? What do they do for you? What sets them apart from different uh, energy uh, companies in the region? And then, you know, finally, 
with an elected board of directors, they, it was vital that we get the input from the board too, because they are the elected members that ultimately uh, represent Heartland. And, and we certainly wanted their input as well. So we did different listening sessions throughout about a Oh, it's probably a 14-month process. A lot of questions, again, like I said, about what defines Heartland, who are we compared to other energies, what's our strengths and weaknesses. And uh, from there, we came up with the new name and the tagline. Uh, and really, the logo uh, was a long process. There had a lot of input from staff and board and and ran different iterations of the logo by our customers and and ultimately everybody had a say in the uh, in the ultimate energy burst that is now kind of our our new trademark and uh, we're really excited about the new brand. It's a lot easier, like I said, for the person answering the phone to say Heartland Energy and it describes who we are uh, in just a couple simple words. Just to again circle back in terms of our coverage of, of Heartland in our newsletter, one of the things that. That's um, that jumped out at me in terms of preparing for this interview is the fact that I was I was reminded of the fact that we've, we've covered a lot of economic development stories related to Heartland um, as it relates to specific projects. Um, so, could you talk about Heartland Energy's economic development efforts? And, um, for example, could you offer additional details on the organization's Energy One incentive? Sure, uh, great programs. You know, uh, we have a outstanding economic development. Uh, program. Uh, Casey Crabtree is our current uh, economic development coordinator for uh, the company. You know, Casey uh, knows in small business. He's worked with a lot of them. He's owned small businesses. And so uh, he's the perfect guy to go around and help our customers grow. Uh, we actually started our uh, economic development effort, thankfully for me, about 18 years ago when they hired me to run it and get it up and going. So uh, the successes and failures of it over the years have uh, definitely been you know, moments of pride and burden at the same time. But I, we've really got all of the pistons uh, clicking at once now. So we've got a different, a whole suite of customer service programs, but economic development is the one you asked for. Uh, provides growth incentives, uh, rebates on electric bills for new and expanding businesses. And the fun part about that is a lot of these small towns that we provide energy to don't have their own economic development office, or they don't have a full-time person to handle that. So they can direct them to us. And when a person is looking to start anything from a chiropractor's office to a small manufacturing plant, and they say, what kind of incentives do you have? You know, it's really fun to tell them, we're going to give you a year's worth of free power. And what that really winds up being is we equate that to um, 50% the first year, 30% their second year, and 20% in the third year. So over a three-year period, we really do give them a year's worth of free power. And another component that a lot of our communities needed was a revolving loan fund. A lot of those small communities that we served didn't have their own revolving loan fund or any type of a program to help with that. So we started the Heartland Economic Development Loan Program, or the HELP Fund, that offers low interest uh, finances to businesses and customers. It's a revolving loan fund, as I said. So we're able to help uh, with expansion, equipment purchase, entrepreneurial endeavors, and much more. And the good news is, is that money comes back in as we help successful businesses grow. That money comes back in, and then we're able to return that and, and reuse it for other businesses. We've got a, a grant program uh, to customers to help them with infrastructure costs for other projects related to growth and economic development opportunities in their communities. And the last thing I think you asked me about was the Energy One program. And I'm really pro proud of our Energy One program because it was a way for us to attract 
large loads to our customer communities, and it offers an energy-only rate for loads of one megawatt or larger during the first three years of their operation. And since we have a lot of smaller customers, we didn't want to forget about them, so we also uh, have that for half a megawatt load uh, generation that uh, would use that for communities in 3,000 or less for a population. So as you know, when a new business starts up and they get up and cranking, you know, the demand can be a tricky element for them to predict and to calculate. So this, I like to look at it as almost gives them the training wheels for that first few years that they can kind of look at and build up some historical knowledge of their energy uses. And so by the end of that, we transition them to our W1 rate. And by then, again, they've got three years worth of history that they can compare that to. So, you know, some of the good success stories that we've had with this was uh, Kraft Foods in New Ulm, Minnesota, the T. Denny uh, Sanford Premier Center in Sioux Falls. It's a big event center there in Sioux Falls that hosts conferences and, and concerts. And we've worked with a large meat processing facility and both USD and SDSU have taken advantage of our Energy One program over the years as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's a fair amount of detail on some of these specific uh, efforts on on your website, right? Like with Kraft Foods, for example. Absolutely. You know, the good news is that we've got a great communications team and a great marketing team, and we love to brag about our successes. And that sometimes when you have site selectors or other people that are looking at where to locate a new or expanding business, we want to be able to tout our program for those that are out there doing the uh, backgrounding and the due diligence. Thanks for that over, overview, Russell. Um, and, and just switching gears here to the topic of energy efficiency, I want to know if you could tell our listeners uh, about uh, Heartland's activities in this area. Sure. We brought on uh, Ann Hyland a number of years ago to run our energy efficiency programs. And Ann, like anybody else that works for a small company, also has been uh, charged with doing our communications efforts. So she does a great job at both of those. And, you know, we started with some splashy contests when we first brought Ann on board and we, we kind of mirrored it off of the, you know, the ultimate home makeover uh, series that was very popular at the time. And what we did is we had different communities uh, put in applications. And what we offered was to take the winning household from one of our customer communities and go in and do an energy audit and take the results of that audit and and pay for new windows, insulation, HVAC systems, all of that. And that really kicked off uh, with a lot of energy, no pun intended, but it really did give a lot of uh, authenticity to our program and it could put real world uh, solutions in place for a lot of people that didn't understand what energy efficiency was at the time. So we've evolved our program over the years and and today we offer you know incentives to end users for purchasing energy efficient appliances uh, like water heaters and heat pumps. We also offer commercial lighting and incentives on refrigeration rebates, things like that. You know our grant program uh, for customers uh, where we provide uh, matching funding if they're making energy efficiency see improvements to their city facilities. And we've helped cities upgrade a lot of their street lighting to LED by using uh, lighting in the city's facilities and other projects as well. The energy or the efficiency of electric appliances continues to improve and become the norm. We're looking to move more now towards incentivizing electric appliances that benefit, you know, for the beneficial side of our operation, increasing electrification in our community. So it's really uh, come full circle 
And uh, we're really proud of, of both those programs. Well, Russell, I just wanted to get, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. And um, did you have any kind of closing remarks or any, any topic that I didn't bring up uh, that you'd want to discuss real quickly? Well, I really appreciate uh, you reaching out to us to, to put this out there. You know, APPA and, and what Joy Ditto and the rest of the staff does to help promote uh, public power in our communities uh, is, is actually absolutely uh, priceless. And so I appreciate you doing this for us. And I really appreciate you putting me into a podcast so a fellow that has a face made for radio can stick to those elements. Well, sure thing, Russell. Um, so, um, and and there, I know for a fact that there were some definitely some topics that I didn't get a chance to ask you about this time. So, love to circle back to you, uh, perhaps sometime next year, and we could we could uh, do a second round on, on the podcast. That sounds awesome. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now. Be sure to check out past episodes and learn more at publicpower.org/podcast. Public Power Now comes to you from the American Public Power Association and is produced by APPA's David Blaylock. I'm Paul Schimpoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power.